Hello, and welcome back to The Corporate Casket. My name is Blair, and today we're going to be talking about the reality behind reality TV. And I'm not just talking about those weird, mind-numbing, like, shit shows you see on TLC or the ridiculous, memeable drama from 90 Day Fiancé. We're not even really looking at the worrying way children are treated on toddlers and tiaras because honestly, that could be an episode all on its own. Today, we're taking a deep look into reality TV that got too real, too dark, too fast. Some of the cruelty, the psychology, we're talking like odd Truman Show vibes. Personally, I find this fascinating, but also quite disturbing. And I hope you're gonna be able to learn something from this today too. So with that being said, let's dive right in and we're going to start with a show called Solitary. Solitary is a social experiment show that's meant to test the mental endurance of its competitors. Contestants are put in pods, kept in isolation, and recorded. According to one contestant that did a Reddit AMA, it wasn't quite as intense as the show made it out to be, and obviously reality TV is gonna dramatize things, but some contestants had nightmares for some time after the show filming like ended. And it's hardly any question why. These solitary confinement shows and reality TV episodes where people are just locked away for days or weeks at a time, there's a dangerous psychological aspect to them. One article from Mother Jones says this, Foo Pham was hallucinating badly. Little gray rabbits stared up at him. Vivid cityscapes materialized in the stone hard carpeting of his 10 foot diameter pod and instant messaging gibberish scrolled across its translucent wall panels. You're seeing all this crap recalls the diminutive 23-year-old photographer. It's scary. Fam had never been so tired. In two days of isolation, he'd been allowed just a few hours of sleep and minimal food. He'd been treated to the amplified screams of infants and hours stuffed into a small box that kept getting hotter. Those first days, he recalls, were when he most wanted out, but Fu Fam was no quitter. Endure isolation and a series of arduous physical and psychological treatments until you break. That's the gist of Solitary, a made-for-TV competition on the Fox Reality Channel, a network spinoff that airs reality shows 24-7. In fact, the program's most brutal aspect isn't the physical treatments, but rather Val's, the reality show's AI they talk with, manipulations, her monopoly on information. On most competitive reality shows, a player knows when the others have quit, but on solitary, four contestants are left to agonize on their bed of nails for 90 minutes, even after a fifth has given up and made the others winners. This twist creates a complex psychological dynamic. As Hyatt describes it, where does the drive for victory succumb to the instinct for self-preservation? And here's the thing, I know this is voluntary. It's called voluntary confinement in this article but this is as much a psychotic experiment as it could be considered reality TV. Contestants have said that for themselves. If reality TV shows would forbid voluntary lobotomies or throwing physical self-harm on air for views, then why support such mental torment? Solitary confinement has proven dangerous psychological consequences. I don't mean being lonely or introverted. Don't mistake solitary for being alone. 
I mean true solitary without stimulation. The fact that even just one contestant claims they had hallucinations is worrying, let alone how many people have actually suffered long-term consequences from this program. Fam compared the show itself to being on death row and said, how sad can you be on death row? You've got at least to have as much fun as you can when you know it's coming to an end. So is the show solitary entertaining? Maybe, I guess someone has to watch it, obviously. I'm not about to watch an entire show for this one script, but I did watch an episode just to get a feel for the show. And after watching it, honestly, I did find the show really, really fucking weird. It's not as much solitary as it is a robot giving alarming challenges to people in pods. Their first one was to sit and balance on a tiny seat that looked barely a few inches wide as long as possible. Then these numbers, since the contestants don't have names on this show, have to guess the other contestants' weights and for a third challenge, literally put flesh clips all over their body to see how long they can handle it. It's just, it's strange. Like you couldn't pay me 50K to get into a pod and do this shit and have it recorded. But Solitary isn't the only show that's played around with strange mental games. The show Big Brother has also faced very similar criticism. Aside from the accusations of racism and discrimination from the show, which is an entirely separate thing, the social experiment aspect of Big Brother has also raised quite a few red flags. National Post wrote in 2009 that on the surface, these reality series might come across as superficial, but at their core, they are the truest social experiments we have, frightening in their accessibility. You just have to turn on the TV. In the case of Big Brother, which offers 24 seven live feeds of contestants doing everything from brushing their teeth to taking naps, you never have to unplug. Someone is always watching as Canadian host Arissa Cox warns each week. It's the Truman Show with new characters for every season. So is this off-putting? For me, absolutely it is. But again, the true harm lies in this solitary isolation aspect. The sleep deprivation and food deprivation that both shows have might provide for entertainment, seeing people at their low points, but even just watching one episode of Solitary, I felt like an alien looking on at human experiments or something. There's this idea that is reality TV. So I'm sure like, you know, some of these things have to be exaggerated, but any moment of food rationing, pain and sleep deprivation being made into a like a spectacle is just, it's kind of fucked up. As one source states, unsurprisingly, research has shown that food deprivation causes many adverse physiological and psychological effects, including increased emotional sensitivity and dysphoria, a mood or state of uneasiness or discontentment. It is therefore easier to understand why such eruptions occur over food. Big Brother is in essence knowingly causing psychological harm to its contestants. If it were a part of a psychological research study, it would most certainly be unethical and unapproved. Multiple articles and sources have spoken out against the treatment of the reality TV stars on these shows. Independent UK stated that David Wilson, a program advisor and professor of criminology, said he would no longer be a part of Big Brother when it provoked interpersonal violence for entertainment. They also wrote that Raj Prasad, a consultant psychiatrist at the Maudsley Hospital in South London, who regularly appears on television and radio, told The Independent on Sunday that there was widespread concern within the psychiatric community for the welfare of the Big Brother contestants. 
The professions of psychiatry and psychology are very concerned about this program and the effects of the mental health of the housemates, he said. The key questions are, who is providing the medical backup? The key point being, are they a qualified psychologist or psychiatrist? And do they have clinical experience of dealing with patients? In particular, do they have an affiliation with a recognized clinic or hospital? A spokeswoman for Channel 4 said, we have a fully qualified psychologist who is in regular contact with the housemates. She added that the psychologist whom she refused to name for reasons of patient confidentiality advised producers on many issues, including what games the contestants should play. The producers though took the final decisions. We know solitary confinement can cause changes in the brain, even lead to depression and mood disorders. That information is widespread and readily available. There's debate about it being used in the prison system today, considering these known effects. Yet, despite this evidence, we still glorify solitary confinement reality TV shows. I'm not even saying these shows have to be banned altogether. I just think it's odd and perhaps a bit disturbing that they exist in the first place. However, we are absolutely not done here because as weird as I find these solitary confinement shows, reality TV can go yet a step further into dark territory. And it unsurprisingly has. After all, if I had to tell you guys today that was a solitary, was a weird ass program and blah, 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 and that was it, I wouldn't really be making this video. But one reality TV show out of all the UK shows that they like to make over there fucked up so badly and treated its guests so poorly that the government got involved. Now, I do have to put a warning here and say that going forward, there will be trigger warnings. We are going to be discussing suicide and self-harm. So if you are sensitive to that, I understand the need to bow out at this point in time in the video. As for those of you who are still watching, you've been warned and and let's see what happens when reality takes things 10 steps too far in the wrong direction. Let's talk about Jeremy Kyle. The Jeremy Kyle show has been called a British version of the Jerry Springer show for some time now. And if you don't know what the Jerry Springer show is, I mean, lucky you, and I kind of envy you. It's pretty much a program that relies on lie detectors and DNA tests to pin people against one another and just cause general fights and riots and stuff for like entertainment on the show, just people beating the shit out of each other. It's, it's weird. Jeremy Kyle is a version of Jerry Springer and would aggressively criticize his guests for their problems. Again, I wasn't about to sit here and watch hours of Jeremy Kyle, but I watched some of it to get a feel for Jeremy's criticisms. In the one eight minute portion that I watched, Jeremy Kyle questioned a young woman about her relationship. Supposedly her fiance disappears for days on end and then her friends see him with hickeys on his neck. So obviously the question is, did he cheat? Jeremy brings this young man onto the show and explains the love bites as his mates pulling on his t-shirt. And obviously I call bullshit. Most of the audience calls bullshit. Most of the people at home probably called bullshit too but I agree it starts to stray into public humiliation as opposed to getting to the root of the problem. At some points, Jeremy seems to be like, he's this reasonable guy, just giving these guys some tough love. And at others, I feel uncomfortable enough to question why this wasn't done at home. turns out though, this was one of the more reasonable clips of Jeremy Kyle that I happened to stumble upon because there are some insanely intense stories out there. And yes, I absolutely want to believe that these stories are fake. Some definitely are, and there's no doubt about that, but the fallout is real. Here's what Metro reported in 2019. A former Jeremy Kyle guest has told how he aims to take the host to court after he almost ended his marriage and wants to confront him face to face. 
Stephen Beer revealed that the show almost cost him his marriage to wife Michelle, and now he wants the host to pay. The 49-year-old who had been on Jeremy Kyle seven times before it got axed has sent a letter to ITV and the former host because it has destroyed so many lives. He told metro.co.uk, he almost ruined my marriage. It came close to ending because of him. He has destroyed so many people's lives and he can't get away with it. I also wrote to him asking for a one-on-one, but he never responded. I wanted an apology and never got one. So now I want to take him to court. Mr. Beer made his first appearance after he accused his wife of cheating on him, but since he has told it felt like a prison backstage. He continued, they checked your bags and took your phones off you. You would be kept in one room for hours. The producers kept coming in to say things to wind you up and told us that Jeremy had called me a prat and to go at him. Mr. Beer also made some bold claims after accusing bosses of staging an affair. He appeared on the show again in 2016, along with Melissa Eady in an episode entitled, My Transgender Love Rival is Trying to Steal My Husband, which, oh boy, what a title. Not only was everything staged and fake, the fact that this guy was on Jeremy Kyle seven times is mind boggling. Did anyone notice the show had repeat characters? Plenty of people online seemed to notice the show was faked. Former guests said as much in 2018, but it's unbelievable to me how much such a clearly phony, shitty reality TV show can affect someone's life. Bullying, hate messages, that aside, people have actually committed suicide after their experience on Jeremy Kyle. The New York Times reported in May, 2019, that one of Britain's most popular daytime television programs was canceled on Wednesday, following the death of a guest who failed a lie detector test trying to prove that he had been faithful to his girlfriend. Given the gravity of recent events, we have decided to end production of The Jeremy Kyle Show. Karen McCall, the chief executive of the show's broadcaster, ITV, said in a statement. Some former guests have defended the show, saying it was being blamed unfairly for a tragedy and that the criticism raised issues of class. In the wake of the death, ITV on Monday had announced it was suspending the Jeremy Kyle show, which had run for over 14 years and attracted about a million viewers per episode. Steve Dryman, 63, was found dead on May 9th, a week after he recorded an episode of the show, which had not yet been broadcast. ITV and the British police have not released any details about the circumstances of the man's death. But the suspension did not stop an outcry from politicians and therapists who said it was time to cancel the show. Even senior officials got involved. Broadcasters and production companies have a responsibility for the mental health and well-being of participants and viewers, a spokesperson for the British Prime Minister, Theresa May, told the BBC. And this is exactly why I'm not into solitary or Big Brother or shows like that. Broadcasting someone at such a low point already falls into a very morally gray area, but pushing them to the brink and almost encouraging a mental break for views, that's not healthy anymore and that shouldn't be considered entertainment. Even though the show ends for us as an audience within an hour, this has lasting effects on real people's lives. It makes me curious if the participants, like the man who was featured seven times, would have gone on the show if they had any clue what a legitimate effect Jeremy Kyle would have on their marriage or future. Anyways, the New York Times article continued and said, in 2007, a court fined a former guest $385 for headbutting a love rival. The judge in the case, Alan Berg, found fault as much with the show as with the attacker. 
It seems to me that the purpose of this show is to affect a morbid and depressing display of dysfunctional people whose lives are in turmoil, he wrote in his decision. The show has a human form of bear baiting, he added, saying its producers should, in my opinion, be in the dock. In 2008, a man pointed a loaded handgun at his wife's head a week after recording an episode of the show, according to The Observer, where he had learned he was not the father of their child. Similar incidents have been found in other talk shows worldwide. In 1995, The Jenny Jones Show was caught in a media storm after an episode on gay crushes in which one guest, Scott Emma Dürer, admitted to his friend Jonathan Schmitz that he had a secret crush on him. Three days later, Mr. Schmitz murdered Mr. Amadur. The case was thought to be a turning point for tabloid TV in the United States. The Jeremy Kyle show had survived its previous controversies, but the current one proved too much. Now is the right time for the show to end, Miss McCall said in her statement. Now, I am not trying to suggest that the Jeremy Kyle show is 100% at fault for this man's death, but they knowingly fostered an environment that's far too much for many people, and it gets hurtful, hateful, and follows them into their personal lives. I wonder how many people would do these reality TV programs if they had any idea what repercussions could be around the corner for them. But it's not just Jeremy Kyle either. Another British reality TV show, Love Island, has come into question for the exact same thing, not taking care of the contestants' mental well-being. Today's corporate casket is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Make sure to go to expressvpn.com/casket to get an extra three months free on a one-year package. Now, you guys know what time it is. It is time to take a break to say thank you to today's sponsor, ExpressVPN. Now, like I've said many times before, and like I'll probably say again, my search history is a little funky based on the subjects that I cover here. And the last thing I probably want is my ISP to get a hold of that information and then try to sell me stuff based off of what I research, because you can probably tell this would put me on some sort of watch list. Even though I'm worrying about what my search history looks like, you may not want your ISPs to sell your information to ad companies, which by the way, in the US, they legally can do that. So what does ExpressVPN do? Well, ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP cannot see the sites you visit. You can use it on all your devices, including your phones, computers, even smart TVs. And it runs seamlessly in the background, so you honestly just forget it's even there. It's just kind of doing its thing for you. If you wanna get started with ExpressVPN, make sure to go to expressvpn.com slash casket and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. Again, link is in the description box. You can just click that or again, go to expressvpn.com slash casket. In February, 2020, Gulf News published an article that read, Caroline Flack's suicide this week, which has left the public reeling, makes her the third person associated with reality show Love Island to have taken their own life. As a mark of tribute, the ITV show decided to hold off airing the latest episode while close friends, family, and fans of the 40-year-old TV celebrity come to terms with her tragic death. The money-spinning reality TV show that pits couples on an island to compete tasks in a bid to find true love has been rocked in the past as well, following the suicides of former contestants Sophie Graydon, 32, and Mike Thalassitis, 26. Again, I understand that this is more complicated than just the show itself. 
The former contestants also talked about how dealing with cyberbullying took a toll on their mental health and things of that nature. So the element of being thrust into the spotlight seems to play a big part. But whether or not the show needs to take responsibility for these suicides, the least they could do is take some responsibility for not preparing their actors slash contestants or seemingly to even care about cast members' mental health. It's not just US or British reality TV that has these problems, of course. Reality TV across the globe is plagued by suicides and yet I rarely hear it talked about. Maybe I'm just not looking in the right places or I haven't been until now, but I'm oddly not that surprised to hear it. The harassment and abuse that these people face is ridiculous, let alone that they seem ill-prepared to take on such an onslaught. As The Guardian explained in May, 2020, for several years, the suicide of contestants who compete on reality TV shows has cast a dark shadow on the genre. Competitors on The Bachelor, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, The Voice, and Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares have all taken their own lives. And just days ago, the suicide of Hana Kimura, a 22-year-old former cast member on the Netflix Japanese reality TV series, Terrace House, shocked fans. Kimura had suffered a huge amount of harassment and online abuse. Inevitably, focus will shift onto how much support the contestants on these shows are offered by producers to deal with the negative attention that follows their appearances. Many hope her passing will serve as a painful eye-opener, a teachable moment, even though this is a lesson we should have learned many times over. This is something that has happened and if little changes is likely to happen again. According to one newspaper report last year, there have been 38 deaths by suicide of reality TV contestants. One of the most harrowing cases was of an 11-year-old reality TV star, Neha Sawart, who killed herself following her appearance on Indian dance competition, Boogie Woogie. The story was published before one of the most high-profile deaths had occurred, the tragic death of Love Island presenter, Carrie Flack earlier this year, which has become the catalyst for the current conversation on mental health and reality television. It is impossible to ignore how the fame that reality TV provides combined with a lack of crucial care for those involved makes a possibly dangerous situation potentially deadly. Although some programs are taking steps to better safeguard contestants, producers cannot wait until the next tragedy to make much needed changes. I won't pretend I know the situation here because I honestly, I can't, there's no way for me to know. Some might say having a therapist on set should be enough. Maybe it's a matter of listening to the therapist more, or maybe it's a matter of more breaks and check-ins. I don't know. Mental health is a very personalized and individual thing. What other reality TV stars might be able to handle or brush off could seriously harm the well-being of some other ones. All I know is that producers have to be aware of this problem. It needs to be taken into account because so long as weird experimental shows like Solitary exist or shows like Jeremy Kyle and Love Island that seem to want to give their viewers something to hate, there's going to be some contestants that get in way over their head. Another source, New Statesman, calls certain reality TV programs cruel voyeurism. For decades, shows like Jeremy Kyle have preyed on vulnerable people more innocuous formats from reality TV like Love Island and Big Brother to audition shows such as X Factor and Britain's Got Talent have baited contestants with insurmountable challenges and devices to manipulate dynamics and provoke conflict and distress. 
The narrative arc of reality television involves the creation of villains, victims, and oddballs, fictional constructions created by the editing process of which contestants may be only partially aware. Take the case of Susan Boyle, for example, who rose to fame in the third series of Britain's Got Talent and later became a public spectacle for her struggles with Asperger's syndrome. Now this would be under the umbrella diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder, just FYI, but back to the article. Without any prior experience of public exposure and while navigating the unfamiliar world of profit makers and media bosses trying to secure their next scoop, Boyle inevitably broke down. Yet in the pantheon of miserable reality TV show tales, hers was supposedly a success story. Boyle attained the highest ranks of the reality TV show dream, escaping the abject cruelty of other formats and the mass ridicule aimed at others, less fortunate contestants of the same show. And all this despite actually coming second to dance troupe diversity. And personally, I knew Susan Boyle got like kind of bullied a little bit for her looks, but I didn't know that it pushed her all the way to a breakdown. But again, this is something I'm not surprised to hear. I'm just saddened to hear. I remember that viral legendary audition and it's so awful to think of that happening to her because of those trying to profit off her moment of fame. Reality TV genres rely on dramatic irony though, a disjuncture between how the contestants see themselves and how they're actually perceived. It leaves people oblivious to their popularity or their infamy and as a source explains, it creates situations ripe for public mockery. Look, I know there's plenty of articles out there on reality TV affecting the self-esteem of young viewers and that angle or sources explaining that reality TV just isn't real. I think many of us know that by now, or at least I'd hope so, but I found the other side really interesting and worth addressing. I think I agree with the Mental Health Foundation stand on this the most. They say that a social problem on the scale of mental illness can only be addressed if it becomes everyone's business. They don't suggest that Love Island, Solitary, or any other reality TV show be taken off the air and that they can even do good when presented in the right way and sending the right message. But it's time we took a critical look at reality TV, including those making the shows and consider how it affects viewers and participants alike. Just because something is entertaining for an audience doesn't mean the contestants have any less right to mental well-being. So with all of that being said, that's where I'm going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. I hope you all learned something new, interesting, although granted quite disturbing with today's episode. If you did, make sure you are following the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to so you never miss another episode from me. If you want to follow me onto other platforms, you can use my Linktree link or just literally type in the name Illuminati and I should pop up on pretty much any platform you could imagine. Thank you all for making it to today's episode. I love you all and I'll see you in the next one. Stay safe. <laughs>